It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. That's not going to happen, but I am excited that the CFL is moving forward with uh, Grey Cup Unite. I think it's a it's a great way to put the league back out there, get it on the radar, you know, get people hopefully excited, and hopefully we can move ahead in 2021. A third down gamble, quick kick. Welcome everyone to another Quick Kicks. And this one, we're focusing on scheduling. The 2020 season is in the books, relatively speaking. Grey Cup that would have been played on Sunday is now a thing of history. We move on to a new season. And joining me is Heath Graham. And Heath, I know the Bombers, of course, had won in 2019. We're looking to repeat. Didn't get that chance, but we've got 2021 to look forward to. We do. Um, the Bombers get to hang on to the Cup, I guess, for another year. Um, I do think they would have had a, a chance to repeat. They had a really good foundation, um, would have been ready to roll in the 2020 season that did not happen. And we will see what free agency and contract expirations bring to the 2021 season. That's very true. There's a lot to be uh, discussed, finalized, whether we get a CFL 3.0 with revenue sharing, which uh, I know the CFLPA, Ramsey, has pushed on that uh, Grey Cup Unite show, something that I've pushed for on this podcast. In so many ways, the league has to start thinking as one league, not nine entities. They are they, they got to get past themselves and uh, start moving toward that so that they realize that if everyone is together on this, then they all benefit. For sure. And we all know that COVID has presented challenges for a lot of businesses, not just the CFL, um, but they are certainly not immune to the challenges that this has brought up. Um, the, the good news is that they have released a schedule. It has teams playing in every city, so no bubble format. Um, they've got what looks to be a pretty traditional schedule as far as start and end times as well. So uh, I'm optimistic that this is a step in the right direction to get 2021 off on the right foot and get a full season of CFL football in. Kind of glad in a way that maybe 2020 there was no Grey Cup game played on Sunday because at kickoff it would have been minus eight. Winds gusting around 30 kilometers an hour, uh, a bit of a cloud, mist, whatever you want to call it, uh, fog permeating. For me, if I had to say left here to go to the game, which I had tickets, I would have had to have left in the morning and it was dense fog here. I don't think I would have been super thrilled to go through dense fog to get down to Regina. Good old cold weather, prairie, great cup championships. They're a, a unique thing to the CFL, I think. They're, they are a lot of fun, but they can sure wreak havoc on the body and on travel and all those sorts of things as well. I'm a big fan of what uh, Superfan Mike has uh, put out. Uh, I don't know how far and wide, but certainly he put it out to me that you should play the Grey Cup on the fourth weekend in October. End of story. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I think we're in a position now that we should look at all of those options. And uh, you and I have discussed many times, sitting through some cold weather football games, how nice it would be if the season ended about a month sooner. Um, you do get kind of less competition, I think, with the NFL by wrapping up your season a little bit earlier. Um, you're, you're going to look at good weather to start the season no matter what, whether it's end of May or into June and July. 
Um, so giving us that little bit of a break at the end of the season, I think, is, is something worth investigating. And uh, hopefully we get there someday. Well, I hope so, too. I, I love the CFL. It's my, my favorite league to watch by far. But even if you love something, there are things about it that you'd like to see changed. And one of the things that I could never get my head wrapped around was that if we have a thunderstorm in the summer and there's a lightning possibility, that's a threat to health, then the game is stopped and that's it. But how does frostbite not count or factor into that equation when it comes to a threat to, to health or life? For, for players and fans alike, right? A lightning strike can be dangerous to anybody, but um, sitting dormant in the stands for three hours, four hours can really wreak havoc on somebody. And then you've got those players that uh, have the tough guy image, refuse to wear sleeves, running around out there. Um, it's yeah, it's it's hard on everybody, uh, and especially the coaches standing around on those sidelines as well. Yes, they've got the heat cannons, but they're not getting out there running around, getting that adrenaline going like the players are. So you know, I I've had pretty numb digits after some sitting in some some uh, pretty cold games and I couldn't imagine what it's like being down on the sidelines for some of those. I remember Jed Roberts recounting to uh, the Empire podcast as it was known then to that 1993 West Final Edmonton in Calgary uh, the one that if you remember Doug Flutie actually stuck his hands almost right inside the heat cannon near the end of the game to try to thaw them but he said he came away with frostbite. Lots of guys were. And I don't see how that flies. If you're going to protect from lightning, you've got to protect from frostbite. But I don't want to go down that tunnel too, too far. The The league has probably moving toward that. I don't want to knock them for the, the interim because they are kind of wedded to certain schedules that they have. But they, they can move this forward. They can start the, the opening weekend May 1st, and you'd be into October to finish it. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. And like I said, we'll we'll hope we get there uh, someday. Uh, it doesn't look like 2021 is the year, but let's get football back and get a full season in, and then we can start discussing when to actually start and finish to uh, to improve the experience for everybody. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. One of the features of the new schedule for 2021 is that you don't play everybody in everybody's park like you used to. There's That element is now in the past, which I kind of argued with Pat he said everyone you got to see everybody and I said no you can see them next year like once every two years is fine I mean back from 61 to 81 West played East once so you would see a team once every two years regardless now this year there are a couple of teams that you'll only go once to their park like they won't come back to your park I think that's great because it sure saves on travel BC doesn't have to make an extra trip to the East that's huge for them for this year I'm okay with it Generally, I like the home and home, being able to see every team in my home stadium. Um, I certainly understand the direction they're going this year and the why. Uh, it makes sense to cut down on that travel, even exposure risks of COVID, right? You're, you're not making that extra trip to another city necessarily. It's going to build some really tense rivalries this season as well. So let's see how this one goes before we get too carried away with 
with less East versus West games in a season. But uh, certainly for the 2021 season, I understand completely why they're doing it. Good thing that you're going to see some of your crosstown rivals or, or cross-province rivals a lot more frequently than, like you said, a, a BC going to Ottawa or a BC going to Montreal. Well, I think there was a push from more than just the East in this schedule. I'm sure that teams in the West probably preferred to... I really do believe that this isn't just one-off because it's 2021 and this league's coming back. This is a full 18-game sked. This is the wave of the future. This is the way they're going. So you think if a if the schooners come in, when the schooners come in, let's be optimistic here, <laughs> when the schooners come in, don't you think it's important for the growth of the game and the success of them to see every team uh, coming into their home park every every year? Or do you think they're okay with just playing their own uh, Eastern teams more often and then it's a real treat when BC finally has to make the trek over to Halifax? I think I like the latter argument that it's a treat when BC does make the trip. I, I don't think that the schooners are dependent on playing Winnipeg and Calgary every year in Halifax or going to uh, McMahon or to IG Field. They're, they're going to look at a, a potentially a 12-game within your own division and then six outside, which is really simple when you've got five on each side. It's really simple to, to accomplish that, that the schooners will most likely be happy to spend the majority of their games in the East and cut down the travel for sure and develop regional rivalries. I can see that. I think the Schooners as a road team early on in their uh, incarnation here would be a big draw. I think a lot of fans across the country would be interested in going to to check them out. Um, But I think from them being the home team perspective, uh, getting those rivalries with Montreal, Ottawa would be more important to their viability than it would be to get um, said Saskatchewan, well, Saskatchewan draws no matter where they are, but uh, getting some of those other West teams to come see them maybe isn't as important. And the other thing too is it's not like you won't see them every second year. You you may miss them in 2022, but they'll be back in 2023. If they stay at nine teams, it's more likely that you'll see them every year and then uh, and there'll be a one-off when you don't see them. I don't see a problem with this at all. I, I like the fact that within the division matters more really develops a lot more intensity and a lot more fun for the fans and especially out east where the teams are that much closer i really do think it matters the ottawa montreal is a huge huge game toronto hamilton huge because they're close bc coming to montreal who's making the trek from vancouver few obviously fans will it's not enough that it's going to translate into a huge amount of numbers in the in the seats. Yeah, you're right. And, and even looking at the West, I mean, six-hour drive Winnipeg to Regina. Lots of people make that trip. Edmonton and Calgary are full of ex-Manitobans and ex-Saskatchewan residents. So those teams draw wherever they go. Well, they also draw against each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what's a, what's a drive Montreal to Hamilton? About the same as as Winnipeg to Regina? It's about four hours, four and a half hours. So even the furthest spread out teams in the East right now, uh, the drive between them is is a lot closer than driving from Vancouver to anywhere or from Winnipeg to anywhere. So you do kind of build that that rivalry and that ability for fans to travel as well. And uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I have railed against the fact that the East fate was always decided in the west because they played the preponderance of games out there well whether or not i was heard (laughs) i would like to think that somebody liked my idea 
the East now plays 10 games within their division. So you get 10, and then you play the final eight in the West. Finally, the East, first time since 2012, I believe, the East gets the majority of their regular season games within their own division before moving out. The West has had that advantage all the way through. Nothing's ever changed for them. So I'm glad that now we're going to see more East versus East. And I personally, I think East versus East games are more palatable when you see Ottawa play Montreal, Toronto play Hamilton, then if BC comes to Toronto. I think you're, you're going to have a bigger uptick if you can keep the games local because you can bring fans because they're close enough. Well, you're going to love the 2021 season then because Toronto and Hamilton play each other four times and both of those sets are back-to-backs. There's, there's going to be some animosity between those two teams by the time this, this season wraps up. They have their classic Labor Day weekend uh, and the following weekend is a home-and-home. And early in the season, I believe it's week three and four or something that they're playing back-to-back as well. So those Highway 401 rivalries are going to be burning pretty hot uh, this coming season. Absolutely. I think if I'm not mistaken, I'll just quickly double check the old computer here, but the Argos and the Ticats play in preseason as well. They could potentially, I think, see each other six times, which if you want to get sick of somebody, (laughs) just play them six times. But there's nothing wrong with that too, because it's going to be a healthy rivalry and those games are intense and people get up for them. Yeah. And I think one thing that the league has done really well with this schedule is keeping those rivalries intact. Um, they didn't mess with the Labor Day weekend games and those those home and homes. Uh, Winnipeg and the Riders only do play each other twice, but they are in their traditional Labor Day Sunday and the following Saturday for the Banjo Bowl. Toronto Hamilton have their Labor Day game intact. Um, Edmonton, Calgary as well. So uh, they've done a really good job with that as well as not changing the Grey Cup rematch on opening weekend. Um, I think that's an important one that they've done over the last few years that I really enjoy, uh, giving that that losing team a chance for a little bit of redemption or for the defending champs to kind of set the tone and uh, and prove that they belong there as champions. So I think those are, are really key games to keep going on a consistent level. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. I don't, I'd almost wish, though, that the, the team that won the Grey Cup would go into the park of the team that lost and not the other way around. <laughs> I'd like to see Winnipeg and Hamilton opening weekend and just see that uh, hostile Hamilton crowd sort of deal with the Bombers and let them know how they felt about how the 2019 Grey Cup went down. It would be interesting to see. Um, you know, on the on the other hand, having that Grey Cup champ host that opening game gives them one more chance to kind of celebrate and, and you know, raise the banner or, or whatever they have planned, have the Grey Cup there. Um, I know they had a legendary parade in Winnipeg last fall but um, this is one more chance to really connect with the fans and uh, and bring that championship home so I, I like the defending champs having the game in place but maybe they look at doing a, a home and home to kind of start the season as well where you get those two teams playing back to back that would work but okay let's get into the schedule just a little bit deeper uh, we know this is a nine team league we know there's four teams in one side five and the other and that creates headaches for trying to create an imbalanced schedule where you still have everybody sort of have an equivalency of games. And one of the things that you have to give up in this is that not everybody in the West is going to have the same number of games against the East and within their own division. So 
in this season, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg play each other twice, which is the least among any of the Western teams. Everybody else gets to play three times. And that means to make up for that game, they go and play the East one extra time. So they play seven against the East and 11 against the West. And I remember when I was, I think it was episode four of our of our run of podcasts, I was building a whole bunch of schedules because we were going to have this big discussion, Pat and I, about what schedule we wanted to see. He had a radical one where they should realign into three divisions. It was uh, it was a fun debate, but I remember going through this and thinking to myself, there's never going to be a balance. An 18-game schedule does not promote balance until you get that 10th team in Halifax. Then, and only then, can you really balance things out. Well, that's very true, but looking at the beginning of the schedule, just to play the scenario where the Grey Cup combatants meet twice in a row, you know, week one they do play their Grey Cup rematch, week two... Winnipeg is in Montreal, so it's not like they jumped back to the West right away. It is doable. Uh, Hamilton plays Toronto in week two, though. I guess they've got to schedule their four games in there somewhere. Uh, so it is a, a nightmare to have an unbalanced league in that sense. Um, I think they've done a pretty good job with what they had to work with. Uh, like I said, the, the East, everybody has a team that they play four times. The West, you're looking at playing at least two teams three times each or three teams. So you're going to get sick of each other. Um, I think as much as I love a Bombers-Riders game, maybe only twice a year really helps build the fire and, and builds that rivalry even more because you're not getting that uh, that rubber match, if you will, until the playoffs. And we all know what happens recently when the Bombers play the Riders in the playoffs. But the, the 40 or so years prior um, hadn't gone the Bombers' way either. That is true. There's always sort of a, an element to that everything sort of comes towards the middle eventually, that there's no one team absolutely dominating another. And it's, it's very true of this. Yes, there was a long period where if the Riders were playing Winnipeg in the playoffs, it was guaranteed win night. <laughs> so, it, But it was also most of those games were being played in Winnipeg, which is the irony of that series is that Saskatchewan wins in Winnipeg and Winnipeg wins in Saskatchewan, at least lately completely opposite during the regular season but come playoff time suddenly the road team is the is the one that comes out with the win we we talk about uh the one quirk of the nine team league and having the disparate number of games for saskatchewan winnipeg east versus west all that sort of stuff the other thing too that has come out of this is that the bye weeks for the argonauts are kind of wonky because of their shared commitment of bmo field with the soccer team that has kind of created a little bit of a mess for them, but they seem to be quite accommodating and uh, they're going to play our... Yeah, they actually sort of get four buys, but they also have a really short turnaround week in there too. So um, I was kind of looking at the buy schedule for every team and uh, Hamilton looks like they kind of get four buys as well with a short week. So again, scheduling nine teams you can't have everybody play every week so you've got some there's a Wednesday night game so really really tough to balance that and I don't know where you fall on it but uh, so teams basically get three buys this year where would you like to see your team have those buys what do you think is most important getting a buy very late in the season to kind of rest up for the playoffs is it kind of spreading them out evenly what's your best case scenario I would prefer to have a bye evenly throughout the season. So if I get one in week three, I get one in week nine and week 15 or whatever the case may be. I 
don't like when they're sort of two and six or something like that. Uh, I don't know that there are any anyway, but Toronto certainly in this season does because uh, as we mentioned, you know, they'll play the 28th at home against the Riders. They play the first, which is September the 1st against Hamilton. And then they go to Hamilton on the sixth. So between the 28th and the sixth, they've got three games uh, in that August to September run. So you might say to them, yeah, you get the extra buy in Hamilton too, because you've had to play short. Now, if people get up in arms about this, remember that in the NFL, they'll play Sunday to Thursday. So Saturday to Wednesday is the same gap. I don't think anyone could get too uptight. It's certainly part of the CBA in terms of the number of hours you need between games before you can play again. Right. And uh, just kind of looking at the where the buys fall, Montreal and Saskatchewan have a really tough grind at the start of the season. Montreal doesn't get a buy till week 10. Saskatchewan doesn't get one until week 11. So that's a lot of games that they've got to get in. Now, on the other side of it, they get a lot more rest coming down the stretch. Riders get that week 21, so the final weekend of the season, they get a bye. So if they're looking at getting into the playoffs, they've got that extra rest week. Uh, Montreal's got buys on week 10, 14, 19. So you get a little bit of of rest kind of late on in the season to get healed up and ready for a playoff run. Yeah, and week 18 and week 19 are three games per weekend automatically three teams are off on those weekends as well. So pretty much, I think, ultimately, just about everybody's going to have a week off in the last month of the season before the playoffs start in earnest. And I don't know. It's If you play 10 or 11 before you get a break, some may argue, well, that's just too much of a push. But let's say you get on a roll. Do you really want to stop? I think fans of every team are going to find problems with their team schedule. You're going to find something that you think is unfair. Um, you know, again, a nine team league, they're doing the best they can. And, uh, you know, actually I think as a, as a bomber fan, their schedule works out pretty well. As far as buys go, they're on, uh, buys on week six, 10 and 18, which is spread out pretty nice. Uh, the downside to their schedule, I would say is they are playing very tough games down the stretch in within their own division where other teams are kind of back and forth a little bit. So the Bombers last three games are, are within the West division and they're the only team that has that kind of finishing push. Everybody else is, is crossing back and forth. So take that with a grain of salt. I mean, it could be a really important three game stretch to, uh, to clinch first place or a, a home playoff game and things like that. But you don't really get that kind of take your foot off the gas game against a a team from the other division. I'm looking at Calgary. They've got three weeks in a row where they're on the road uh, at the beginning of July. And, of course, the game in Toronto on the 10th of July is a neutral site game. So that one has yet to be determined where that one's going to be played. But my guess is they're probably going to look to the Atlantic Coast again and have another uh, Touchdown Atlantic Festival to uh, highlight the CFL and, again, generate more interest in the schooners. And I... I'm I'm so hoping that the Schooners get some positive vibe once this COVID crisis is over and they get a team. Me too. Let's get that 10th team in here. And then we're not talking about schedule headaches so much anymore. I think that the way the CFL did it, announcing that there's going to be this schedule for 2021 during Grey Cup week, what would have been Grey Cup week 2020, I thought was a brilliant move. Pretty much dropped it the day that would have been normally announcing CFL All-Stars. The reaction that I got from so many people, they were just so happy 
that uh, there's something positive to look forward to in the next so many months. Everyone knows that it's still kind of out there as to when the vaccines come available and, and when can we get back in the stands. You've got to plan for something. You can't just sit back and wait. It was a way to keep the CFL in people's minds on Grey Cup weekend. Uh, I think TSN did a pretty good job of, of showing some classic games and that sort of thing over the last week. But it's a, a good opportunity for the league to kind of raise their hand and say, hey, we're still here. This is our plan. This is our, our comeback for 2021 and uh, get people fired up. Um, I think it was a, a really well planned out announcement and the timing was perfect. And the other thing I'm thinking, and this is something that I mused with Pat in our last episode, was the idea that we could morph from empty to full by the time the season runs its course. That we may see, especially in June, a max of 5,000 fans per game. Like there could be those restrictions as the vaccines are starting to be rolled out and hospitals are not overwhelmed, hopefully by then, anymore. I mean, the way they are in this month that we're speaking, it's just almost borderline scary. The hope is, of course, if the vaccine comes out, then by quarter three, maybe, everybody's back in the stands because we're all vaccinated, hopefully. Yeah, the CFL might be in a really interesting position as far as what sports are up and running at that period of time as well. I'm not quite sure the NHL hasn't really given their plans to the next season yet. Um, NBA is looking at starting here in the next uh, next month or so and probably wrapping up at the time that they normally do. So the CFL might be the only game in town that's actually starting to have fans, I guess, baseball as well. But, uh, you know, like you said, it, it could really build momentum as you start with a new season, limited fans, and then it just starts to, to snowball from there. And hopefully we get uh, full houses full of rabid frenzied CFL fans come playoff time. I think the word apoplectic may be the way I feel when I finally get back into the stadium because the excitement, my heart will just be racing. And I'm just so, like, I'm almost quivering now thinking about the idea of being back in the stands. It's just, it's something I just, you talked about it, you know, what did you do on Grey Cup Sunday when we were getting prepped? And it was weird. I kept looking to the TV, hoping that maybe the game would somehow appear. Just a, a quick question, too. As a season ticket holder, have you had any communication from the riders about fan access next year, or they have not even started to to uh, roll any of that out yet? There has been um, some communication that they're looking for fans in the stands. They they don't want to go through this a second time. I don't think any owner or any player or any coach or any team, for that matter, in the CFL wants to do this a second time. I think they did it. They did the right thing by staying away from it because, truthfully, at the time that they had to go in, there was just too much in the way of unknown. You had to wager a guess right now. What do you think as far as how many fans are going to be at those first couple of games? And put your uh, fortune teller hat on here and tell us when you're going to be back to a full mosaic. In June, you're going to see no more than 5,000. I think in July, that's when you may see a seed change and you may see those numbers increase. And I think by Labor Day, we're back to full crowds that everybody can come in because that's getting close to the point where most of the population by then, if everything goes right and everything goes well, will be vaccinated. 
I sure hope you're right because I think Labor Day weekend would just be phenomenal if those were the first ones with full crowds. Um, <laughs> we've been to many Labor Day games and we know the atmosphere. I can't even imagine if those are going to be the first ones that actually have a, a sold out crowd in the stadium. It's going to be an unreal experience for everybody involved. Well, and it also gives teams time. It's kind of strange to say this, but gets teams ready to celebrate the fact that we're back. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the CFO wants to go ahead with a full slate of games. I don't think that they're going to hybrid it at all. I think once they get going and they and the CFLPA has pushed them, set it up. Let's let's get a deal signed. Let's do this. Let's get going. We'll figure out as we go, but we are going to play this year. So they're missing the game massively. So the CFL is probably unwilling to admit, but probably in their hearts are thinking it's 18 this year plus playoffs. Even if you only get a, a, a modicum of fans that can attend games, I think that the, then the, the momentum is going to start building for that day when everybody can finally come into the stadium. And I think that will give teams a chance to build towards that. Remember, too, we got two other things at play here in a sense. One is that Toronto has come up with their new old logo, which I love. I think that's a great nod to their history. And I love the fact that I, I, I always was kind of not thrilled that they had a brown football. I, now they've got a blue one, so that keeps totally in their club colors. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. That's just me. And then the other thing, too, is, and the Edmonton football team has started this process, is that there's going to be a new team name for, and maybe a, a new helmet logo for the Edmonton football team. Well, there will be. We just don't know what it is. But uh, they reached out. I've I've put in my submission. I'll be honest. I like Elks. It's a nod to the past. They had the team name. I believe it was 1926. Uh, nothing wrong with using it again. And it keeps the EE tradition alive, which I, I think is what they want. Uh, I hate Electric. I hate Empire. I hate <laughs> eh, whatever other stuff. I mean, Eskies and Esks, you're getting too close to what was, and I think you have to make a, a departure from that. I think you have to leave that behind. Elks is close enough as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think there's a lot to look forward to. You're right. Um, the, I, I agree with you. I know you're a logo guy. Uh, I agree with you on bringing the, the boat back for the Argos. I think that's a great look. Um, I'm curious to see what Edmonton does. I hope they don't do anything too radical. <laughs> I don't think they will. Uh, there's enough tradition there that uh, hopefully they keep that in mind when they make their, their choice. One interesting thing from this past weekend as well is that I follow a few players on Twitter and the CFL players are missing the game incredibly as well. Um, Willie Jefferson is a great follow. Actually, him and his wife tweet a lot about the game. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of pictures from last Great Cup. Uh, so it's good to see so many of the star players of the CFL really amped up for a season coming up as well. I think that speaks volumes for the Players Association and the league being able to work work out the logistics of how to make this happen. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of unanswered questions as far as that goes coming up here as well. But a uh, really good sign to see so many players speaking out and, and telling the fans and the league just how much they're missing what they love to do. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah, that's very true. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. 
Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching. For 107 years, every Grey Cup moment has included you, the fan. This is your league. Through fog and rain, in tragedy and triumph, you are the foundation of this league. Now take your place in history. Etch your name on the Grey Cup fan base. Become a part of the Grey Cup's legacy. Add your name and raise the cup.